good effort, mate. So let's pray. Uh, we love you, Jesus. We just uh, we love your presence, Holy Spirit. We love that you are the Spirit of Truth, and uh, and Lord, my my request of you is that you would just dwell strongly. You would make yourself known and aware to us in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirit, Lord. Uh, as I share today, that you would um, make truth so very clear to us, Lord. Especially the truths that we don't agree with. Especially the truths that we don't believe, Lord. Because they're the ones that we need to hear most. They're the most transforming ones, Lord. That's why we're here. That's why we pursue you. Because we, we want to know your truth. We want to know your ways. And we thank you for uh, wisdom that exists in the kingdom, Lord, uh, that you uh, bring to us, Lord, even as, as the Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it talks about wisdom that the Spirit shares with us, that you know all the thoughts of God, Holy Spirit, and you share them with us. That's how we receive the, the mind, the thoughts of Jesus is because you share them with us. So we just trust you to lead, to speak. We just want to receive from you this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So we are continuing on in our Abundant Life series, so today's message is Abundant Provision. Amen, does that sound good? Awesome. Well, I'm just going to warn you, this might be a longer than usual sermon. I'll do my best to keep it short, uh, but uh, I... I don't apologize because it's going to be great, but it just might be a longer, you just might have to endure greatness for a little bit longer than normal, so uh, you'll be fine. Um, but, uh, and the, the topic of money will be spoken about. Oh, money, oh, not again. Well, yeah, amen, so excited. So this is like the once in every three years tithe talk. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you're new here or visiting and you're like, oh, yeah, great, come along, typical, talking about money. We just don't talk about money that much. We don't do tithing talks, but we believe in it, okay? What we want is for it to be a culture of the discipleship of our community that you learn, here's the value of it and the, the principle around it, but we're not going to hound you every week to do it. But there is incredible wisdom contained in the kingdom and in the ways of God that will release the abundance of God's provision into your life. And so if we don't talk about it, then we all miss out on that revelation, on that wisdom, on that insight, and we get to live below the spiritual poverty line. Okay, and we don't want that for our community. So I don't apologize for talking about it. Jesus talked about money a stack, a whole lot, and he, he did it for two very good reasons. One is because it's, it's, there's a danger associated with the love of money, but also there's great uh, benefit for us and for others when we understand the way that finances and provision can be utilised for his goodness and purposes and plan and provision and expansion, etc., etc. So in the Bible, the Bible talks about God being our provider. So the, the, the name Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. So we know that God is a God of provision. He is literally named, he's called that, you are my provider. And we know that God is our provider. I mean, we know biblically, I think we're all on a journey of truly understanding and believing that God is our provision, that he will give us everything that we need. But the upgrade of provision is abundant provision. Provision that extends beyond what we need and into 
not more of what we would like, but actually into what others need. So there's a difference between kingdom provision and kingdom abundance and earthly natural abundance. We might think, oh, cool, well, God provides for me. Oh, abundant provision. God's going to give me not just what I need, but what I want. Okay. So that's, that's the danger. We start thinking, oh, yes, oh, cool, I'm going to get more stuff. That's not what we're talking about here today. Okay. God might give you more stuff. I'm not opposed to God giving me more stuff. Okay. But that's not the point of God's abundant provision. So we can be content with what we have, but are we content with what others have? I could say, well, all my needs are met. I'm good. But are all my neighbor's needs met? This is the kingdom perspective. So it's actually not about us. And we can say, well, I've got all that, I, I've got more than I need. Does my neighbor have all that they need? Does the body of Christ have all that it needs? Is this person who is wanting to, to follow the Lord in this particular, do they have all that they need? Well, if I live in abundant provision, then I get to be the, the hand of God to provide provision for others. That's what abundant provision looks like. So when I speak of abundant provision, in particularly the area of finances, I'm not talking about us increasing our wealth, but actually increasing our ability to bless others increasing our ability to expand the kingdom of God because finances are a tool, when used rightly, can be a blessing. And this is like all kingdom principles. I think of kingdom principles like life hacks. So this is a series on abundant life hacks. Yeah, we all like life hacks. Or well, I do maybe, I like watching those videos. Some of them nonsense, don't work at all. Spent so much time trying out these hacks and they don't work. Um, but kingdom principles or kingdom laws, they act like laws in nature. So the law of gravity doesn't operate because you believe in it or not. It just is. And it's the same way with kingdom principles. It's the way God has designed his creation to operate. So they operate whether you believe in them or not. If you follow them and obey them, they will produce the outcome that God has established and ordered for them to have an outcome. The important thing for us, though, as lovers of God, as children of God, is that we don't honour the principle, we honour the God who established that principle. So we need to keep our attention on him. Otherwise, it can start to look like I can just find kind of loopholes to get what I want. That's not the point of a kingdom principle. God's desire is that we thrive. God's desire is that we live in abundance. And he has ordered the world in a way that we can access a fuller measure of abundance if we honour and obey his ways. It's like any creator knows how something works best. God is the creator. He knows how you work best. He knows how the world is designed. He designed it so he knows how it's meant to work. It doesn't work in the way that he desires for it to work because we choose to do it in our own way. But the more we come into alignment with God's ways, with God's principles, then we come into alignment with the right created order. So if we follow the principle without being led by his presence, then we can quickly fall into deception and corruption. And the reality is being wealthy doesn't mean someone is blessed. It just means they have a lot of money. There's plenty of wealthy people in the world who are corrupt, very corrupt. So if we say, well, well more wealth equals being blessed, I don't think that's the case. Mark 8.36 says, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? We can possess money, but too often money ends up possessing us. 
If we take our eyes off Jesus, then whatever we are possessing in the natural actually ends up possessing us. So our primary focus and desire needs to be on him. That's the safeguard, particularly when it comes to to financial provision and provision of material things, is to keep our attention, our focus, our desire on him. This is Matthew 6.33. Don't worry about your daily provision. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. So essentially, to summarize that little passage of scripture, he's saying, if you live outwardly for me, so my kingdom, if you pursue that, and if you allow me to change you inwardly to be more like me, so that's righteousness, then you will see the provision of God follow you. I'm gonna outwardly seek the expansion of God's kingdom, and I'm gonna inwardly seek the expression and transformation of me more into his righteousness than the natural order of his provision will follow me. Uh, Robert Morris in his book, The Blessed Life says, being blessed means having supernatural power working for you. Whereas being the contrast, being cursed, means having supernatural power working against you. But we wanna live in blessing. We wanna have the supernatural power of God actually working on our behalf to create a greater measure of something than what we could create in our own power and strength. Um, Contentment, I think, is really important when it comes to these things. So we have to ask the question, am I actually content with what I have? And for me, I feel like, man, I'm, I'm content with what I have. I've learnt just to be content, whether I have a lot of stuff or a little bit of stuff. Uh, and, and the Apostle Paul actually talks about this. We can be blessed and live in abundance, whether we have a lot or have a little. In Philippians 4, chapter 11, he says, Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound, how to be in abundance. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So when Jesus is present, whether there is abundance or whether there is lack, there's contentment. So we know we're not like, I'm I'm discontent and I need that thing. I need that abundance in order to feel safe and secure or significant, whatever it is. It's actually, whatever increase God brings, I'm satisfied. I'm not chasing after something to find a sense of contentment. I'm already content. But then, so then what I'm pursuing is not to find contentment, not to find fulfillment, but to actually have more of a resource that can be a blessing. Our attention needs to be in the right place, and that's Jesus. Our affection needs to be in the right place on Jesus. Our heart needs to be in the right place. And that's consumed with love for Jesus. This is Matthew 6, 19 to 21. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And you notice it's treasure, where the treasure is, then your heart will be. Not where your heart is, oh, then, then that's, that's where your treasure will follow. They say, no, no, actually where you, where you invest your treasure, that is where your heart will naturally be drawn to. Kingdom insight, kingdom principle.
But when we are choosing then to say, yes, Lord, I wanna, I wanna experience your abundance. I, I, I'm satisfied in what I have. I'm so content, Lord, but I know if there is more for me, if there is more for others through me, well, Lord, I wanna, I wanna pursue that because that's your desire for me. But it's oftentimes when it comes to abundance that there is an opposition to this. So don't be surprised if as you choose to believe for abundance, you'll face opposition and temptation. Has anyone been feeling that in the last few weeks? Put your hand up so others can see. Yeah, a few people. It's like, yes, well, I agree. God wants me to be in abundance. Awesome. Well, I'm going to step out into that abundance. Yes, I'm going I'm to take that risk. I'm going to invest that money in that kingdom project. I'm going to do these things. And then it feels like there's this temptation or a fear or an opposition. Every trial and temptation we face is an opportunity to cultivate the garden of our heart to prepare it to produce greater abundance. So again, when you, when you say, oh, I'm going to step out, yes, I'm going to believe what you're saying, and then I feel the opposition, what that is, sometimes it could be the devil trying to tempt you, or it could be the Lord trying to cultivate your heart. Because say, well, I know you've grasped the principle and you're going to go after it, but I'm going, to, I'm going to actually produce that in your heart. So it doesn't just become a thought that one person preached one time and for a week you decided to, to give it a try. But as the Lord says, that's a seed, but we're going to plant it in your heart, which means we're going to till up the soil, we're going to get that all ready, and then we're going to do the hard yards of actually producing that so it becomes a principle that is formed in you. It's just a way that you live from now on. But sometimes it's actually the Lord saying, cool, you want to follow this? Let's do the work that's going to actually produce this outcome ongoing for the rest of your life. Does that make sense? So we need to set the trajectory of our heart towards God. So whether we're in lack or in abundance, we head in the same direction, which is a deeper connection with Him. If your heart is focused on the Lord, if you hit a hardship, you run to Him. If your heart is set on the Lord and you hit a victory, you run to Him and you rejoice. This is so important. It's not they're saying, well, if my heart is actually towards my own self-provision, then I hit hardship, where do I run? I run to that. If my heart is actually in my safety sound in, in an addiction of any kind and I hit a hardship, where do I run? I run to that place. So again, this is a whole, that, that's a whole sermon that we could talk about. And even as I go through this, there's like multiple sermons in this. Um, so I'm just trying to pick out the, the, the biggest nuggets of gold for you. But understand, if you go and search the Scriptures, you'll find all of this amazing stuff. Amen? All right. So there is a difference between provision and abundant provision. God provides for all people. He is provider, so He just provides. He just provides. He is so good. The Bible says He makes it rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. He makes the sun shine on everybody, like He provides food, He provides beauty, He provides for all people, whether they follow Him or not, He provides. But abundance belongs to the children of God. So the question is, well, how do we access this abundant provision? Well, we steward the provision that we have. If we want abundant provision, we need to steward the provision that we have. And how do we steward God's provision? We sow it into his kingdom purposes. Kingdom stewardship is about sowing and not just spending. We're not just called to budget, we're called to bless. 
to say, okay, so how, would I, how do I steward the provision of God? Oh, okay, I'll just look after it and keep it safe. And I'll be very wise with how I spend my money. That's, that's living in provision. To live in abundant provision, we say, I'm going to take whatever God has provided and I'm going to sow that into what He would have me sow it into. I'm going to start investing it into kingdom projects, things that the Lord is calling me. And that might be just, could be buying your neighbour some groceries. It could be giving 20 bucks to that person at the shops. It could just be blessing someone randomly that you come across financially, making a meal for something, doing something that costs you, that pours into others. But that's the way that the kingdom, that's how abundant provision is activated. Amen? Amen. All right, so when we start to think of um, frameworks as to how to get and, and activate this, a really important principle in the Bible is the principle of the first fruits. Okay, again, this is a whole sermon topic, so I encourage you to take this away, um, wrestle through it first uh, for yourself. Um, scriptures, uh, Exodus 23, 19 says, the best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. So this is a principle that the Lord has established in the kingdom and it's been there for all of time where the first of something belongs to him. So the first child is to be dedicated to the Lord. The first of your crop that you produce, the first portion of that, the first fruits so the first outcome, so again, not the, not the seed that you've been given, but whatever that seed produces, the first of that is, belongs to the Lord. Okay? This is where we get the tithing principle from. So it's the first tenth belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to us. So even again, when it comes to deciding, should I tithe or shouldn't I tithe, God's already decided on your behalf that that belongs to Him. Okay, so this is the, a principle that runs all throughout scriptures. You're just going to have to go search it for yourself or I'll, I'll preach on the whole thing another time. But the first belongs to God. When we give God first, when we give to God first, we keep him, him in first place in our hearts. It's where he belongs and it brings our hearts into order. This is again the danger of something like money. Money can be such a trap for us because money provides comfort. Money provides safety. Money provides food in my belly, a roof over my head, fun stuff that I can do. It can help with if I, to make me feel significant. Whatever it is, money has this power to do that. And yet money is not the thing that's meant to do all of those things. God is the one who gives you significance and identity and safety and all of those things. And when we acknowledge Him, God, you are my provider. I am not my provider. Money is not my provider. So when I put you in first place, even then when it comes to the first of the provision that you give to me, I'm going to say, Lord, I put you first by putting into you first. Romans 11:16 says, If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Exodus 44:30. And the first of all the first fruits of all kinds and every offering of all kinds from all of your offerings shall belong to the priests. You shall also give to the priests the first of your dough that a blessing may rest on your house. So the first portion is also the redemptive portion. So the Apostle Paul is saying in Romans eleven sixteen, if the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so then is the whole lump. This is again a principle. When, when you give the first to God, he redeems the rest. When you tithe your 10%, God blesses your 90% that's left. 
The first portion is the redemptive portion. Again, every, every child, every firstborn son in Israel was dedicated to God. God's firstborn was dedicated to His purposes. So you can ask, well, why do we tithe? Well, God tithed His Son. God gave the first portion of Him being, being birthed in the earth. He gave that to us and He redeemed all of humanity. He raised up a family of sons because He gave His first son. The reality is this principle runs through. It's why we gather on a Sunday. It's why the early church gathered on a Sunday. They were giving their first to God. First day of the week, Sunday is the first day of the week. That was their understanding. So that we're going to give our first portion of that to God. We give our first to God. This is why, you know, I, and I know people get tired and busy, but Sabbath on a Saturday, give your first to God on a Sunday. Sometimes people, they'll, they'll rest on a Sunday. This way I'm a bit tired. I want you to know I'm tired every Sunday. And I'm even more tired after a morning preaching. Okay, it's exhausting. But I'm giving my first to God. Because I want my, I, if I'm going to give my first day and then my first portion of time to Him, then I know the rest of my week's going to be blessed. Because it's a principle. If you want your week to be blessed, give your first portion to Him. Now again, this is the thing where people, we've, we've come through into an age where, where people have been given the, the freedom to question things. And I love questioning things. If you know me, I question everything. I love wrestling because I want to I wanna know truth. I just don't want to believe what something that someone has told me. It's as I said the other week, if you're listening to what I'm saying, well, I'm not too sure about that. Search it out yourself. But don't go, oh, I'm not too sure about that and then do nothing with it. Agree with me or disagree with me. But if you're going to disagree with me, disagree with me because the Bible says an opposing truth to what I'm saying and then come and share with me because I want to know your truth. If I'm wrong, please let me know if there's a greater revelation because I, I just want to walk in truth. Otherwise, I'm just, we're just fooling ourselves here. It's a bit silly. But the thing is, we've, we've started to then question things and people go, well, I think this has happened during COVID. You know, people realised I can't go on a Sunday and they realised... Oh, I didn't go on Sunday and I didn't spontaneously combust. That means I don't have to go on a Sunday. God's not going to punish. He's not going to destroy me. No, he's, he's, he's not going to destroy you if you don't come on a Sunday. But the thing is, for a lot of people, it became a religious ritual. You, people lost the meaning behind why would we do that. And then it comes to, well, if I, if I don't need to do that, and if it's not that important, if it's just a ritual, well, I don't want to be religious, so I better not go along every single week. But we've lost, there's a, there's a principle under, underneath that. And this is, this is for me, I'm like, hey, let's, let's, let's put religion to death, absolutely. But let's not lose the wisdom and the principles of the kingdom in that process. So say, I'm not going to come along because it's a religious ritual. I'm going to come along because I love Jesus and I love his people and God has something for me and God has something to give through me. And so I'm going to live in that way. I'm going to give the first portion of my week to be here. To bless the rest of my week. Find the meaning and the purpose behind it. Same with money and finances and tithing. Oh, do we just do it? No, there's, there's a beautiful wisdom and scriptural basis for doing it. And the reality is it blesses you. So you get blessed. It's like, well, I want to live in blessing. I want to live in abundance. Awesome. Then follow His ways and you'll access all of that. Tithing is not an Old Testament or a New Testament principle. It's a kingdom principle. It existed before the law in the Old Testament. And it's carried through, so it still exists. So we give the tithe or the first tenth of our income to God because, number one, it belongs to Him. 
So it's even weird to say I'm giving my tithe to God. It's, it's like I'm just giving back what belongs to him. But the giving of the tenth blesses the ninety. Again, Robert Morris says in his book, The Blessed Life, I encourage you to get a copy of it. It's a great book. He says, would you rather try to make it through life with 100% of your income, but all of it cursed? Or would you try, rather try to make it through life with 90% of your income and all of it blessed, redeemed and protected by God? Wow, all of a sudden that makes a lot more sense. Because the reality is if I give my 10th and I'm left with the 90, that 90 is actually going to produce way more than the 100. And the reality is when we give our tithe, we don't decide where that money goes. We don't say, well, I'm going to take my tithe and I'm just going to decide, I'll just give it over here. I'll bless this person. That's called an offering. That's on top of that. We say, no, that goes, goes to the church. That goes to God's house. And it's then their responsibility to steward that wisely. If you're part of a church community and you think they're not stewarding that money wisely, I'd encourage you to have a conversation with them. That's, that's okay. But it doesn't mean you get to direct that or, or demand that or anything like that. But I'd say, I want to be in a community that stewards money well. And again, so have a conversation if you feel like having a conversation. We can show you our books and all of the processes and protocols and fun things like that that, um, that Heleni has to, to deal with. Um, no, not really. Heleni's great. Where's Heleni? Heleni's amazing. But see, we steward our finances to the best of our ability. And part of that, so then we, we hire, Heleni comes in a couple of days a week as our bookkeeper. But then all of our finances go through, it's called Baptist Business Services. And they look after then all the payments and everything like that. So there's another layer of, of, uh, of covering and accountability there. And then every year we get a, a, a audited so we have a forensic accountant come through and go through all of our books and not just to say where have we been spending money, but all the processes around that. So it's really important to us to, to steward that well. So we give the tithe to this church to steward on behalf of God. And then we are left with the 90% to steward on behalf of God. If you belong to God, to say, yes, I belong to the Lord. I belong to Jesus. Awesome. That means everything that you have belongs to him. So you don't have really anything apart from what he gives you to steward on his behalf. So you're saying, okay, well, I, oh, cool. Did my tithe. Yes, what can I do with a 90? It's like, oh, okay, Lord, what, what do you want me to do with the 90? Because it's all his. And he has wisdom and insight as to how to steward that well. So as I said, offerings are the, the above and beyond which comes out of the 90% left that we sow into other ministries or ventures that God leads us to give into, just blessing people, doing all of that sort of stuff. And again, it's also providing food for your table and all of that sort of stuff. God doesn't want you to live in misery and in poverty. So it's like, it's okay to enjoy life, okay? We're not saying don't be happy people, um, but find your satisfaction in the Lord first. You know, for, for Lisa and I, we've just... We've just taken the tithing principle. We've just always abided by that. And I've actually loved, I remember when I first became a Christian, you know, kind of at around the age of 16, and, and this was something, and, and you would go every week initially, and it was kind of like, depending on how convicted, how guilty you felt from the tithing talk, would determine how much you gave. Yeah? Who misses feeling guilty about not giving? Yeah? 
So for us, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I started, but it was just then every single week. And I'm going, I'm, if I'm having to be told every single week about a kingdom principle and how valuable it is, there's something I'm not getting. There's maybe something where I'm not, uh, I'm not grasping the concept, which is, again, for us, we're like, if we have to tell you every single week, okay, here's, a, here's the principle, here's the thing again, and you've been a Christian for 30 years and you still haven't got the importance of tithing, there's something missing either in the teaching or the receiving of that truth. Okay, So I'm like, let's, let's just not do that. Let's let people mature in Christ and actually take responsibility for their finances. But I love, for me, as I grew and matured, like direct debit is just amazing. So I don't even have to think about it. I just know that that first portion is going to the Lord and the rest is blessed because of that. And then I get to live generously on on the other side. But you know what? We're we're a single income family for my family. I've got three kids. Uh, You know, we have a mortgage and all of that sort of fun stuff. We've also chosen to homeschool our kids. Uh, which means Lisa then can't work, so we're, we're, she's well. She does work full time uh, as a, as a homeschool teacher, but uh, and but so that's you know, a limitation on our ability to do that. I've also chosen to be employed as a pastor, so I'm a qualified electrician. <laughs> I did my apprenticeship and literally six months, and I worked for Western Power. I did my apprenticeship through them, so I got paid. F- I, my first year of my apprenticeship was four dollars ninety five an hour. Yeah. Loving it, government work, you know, <clears throat> and uh, and so I I didn't you know didn't have a lot of money, and then I finally I'm like yes I'm qualified I can make the big bucks, and I became a youth pastor, and so uh, threw all that in in the bin. But uh, uh, so the reality is for me I, I could be making a lot more money than what I do today. But for me the blessing is not in my paycheck; it's in the deep satisfaction that comes from knowing that I'm fulfilling the calling of God on my life. And I'm not saying God is calling everyone to be a, be a pastor. I hope not, for your sake. Um, <laughs> it's a really tough job. Like, it's brutally tough. And you might think, I mean, it's not, it's, it's oh, well, is it really that hard? Don't you just sit in cafes studying and, no, <laughs> you don't at all. People, people make it difficult. And, 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 then, and then when you love them, it's even more difficult. Because then you care about the outcome of their life and the, the mistakes that you might see them making and, and the, the, you know, like it's, it's just, a, it's, it's brutal. It doesn't mean my life is easy, but it means my life is meaningful. So I'm saying, well, I'm going to forego some financial provision in one place to be fulfilled and be blessed in knowing whether it's good or whether it's a hard week, I'm, I'm where God wants me to be. That's blessing knowing that I'm fulfilling the calling of God in my life. But for us, there have been many, many times where things have been lean, but we've never been in lack. Many times where it's been lean, never been in lack. Always been able to pay off the credit card each month, always have, having everything that we feel like we're provided for. God has looked after us because of that principle. We've always chosen to honour the Lord with our finances and particularly in the area of tithing. But for us, even like part of what's sparked some of this uh, moving in towards abundance as well is like, but I, I want to know abundant provision. As I shared a few weeks ago, I've, I would not look at kind of finances and go, you know, I, I'm, I'm relatively creative and I'm kind of handy and I could build stuff. And so I'd always be thinking of entrepreneurial ways that I could make more money on the side, you know, side gig. And, uh, and so I'd think of them, oh yes, I could do that. Or we could 
build this or we could make this. And every time I'd have these creative ideas and I'd come to the realisation that, oh, but that takes time. I don't have any more time. That takes energy. I don't have any more energy. Uh, So I've got creativity, but I'm lacking the other things that you tend to need to start up a business. So then I find myself stuck. uh, But some of the revelation that's been coming is abundant provision doesn't require more striving on my behalf. It's actually more wisdom and more investment that, that produces fruit that naturally comes. So I'm just I'm looking forward to abundance of provision as I keep not just stewarding well, but investing what God has given me well. I'm, and I'm looking forward to money just popping up in my bank account, like supernatural provision. Bring it on, Lord. We say, yes, Jesus. Anytime you want money to fall out of the sky and into my lap, I'll receive it. And, uh, and hopefully my heart will say, and give it away. Uh, Proverbs 3, verse 9 to 10 says, Honour the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Honour the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. Why? So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Abundance, overflow. And as I touched on before, the purpose of abundant provision is because you're blessed to be a blessing. The Bible says, Jesus is better to give than to receive. Even in that, to say there's there's a joy that can be found in the principle of giving away and blessing and serving and being generous to other people. And the reality is God blesses what we give away. God blesses what we give away. This is the parable of the talents. So different portions are giving out to different people. God gave more increase to those who invested into kingdom purposes. They didn't just say, well, I took that, you know, the guy that buried it, that that was taken from him. Literally the guy who took what God had given him and put it in the ground, thinking, oh, well, I'll steward it by just holding onto it and not doing anything with it. That way I can't lose it. He's not the guy who gets the reward. It's the one who, who risked it all and said, I'm actually going to invest into what I know you would want me to invest into. And God says, and you were a good steward. You utilised that provision well, and now I'm going to give you an increase, a greater measure on that. So when it comes to tithing, when it comes to giving to God, when it comes to putting Him first, if we're saying, well, that, if that first bit belongs to God, you know, when, when, when you take something from someone and you don't give it back, that which belongs to them, what, what do you call that? It's called stealing. And this, again, we get from Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 to 10. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, well, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that they may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. And your vine and the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. 
I don't know if I need to make it any clearer than that. But this is, a, this is a, it's kind of a serious thing then. When we start to take those words from the Lord, we're talking about robbing God. Okay, this is, God's serious about this. Okay. And I, I think it's important that we have the fear of the Lord in our hearts. And again, you might go, well, the fear of the Lord, that's just, that doesn't really mean to be afraid of God. It just means reverential fear. Okay, awesome. Have reverential fear then. I think, being, I think being petrified of God is actually easier to, to work through with someone than actually not caring at all about what God thinks about something. <clears throat> you say, I'm petrified that if I do the wrong thing, God will destroy me. I can, I can work with that because they know God is, has, has, has paid the price for your sin. And he's, he's not going to destroy, He's not going to punish you. But he is God and he could and he'd be very much justified in doing so, but he's chosen not to. So, okay, there's peace then in that place. Rather, if we're over here saying, ah, oh, does it really matter? Does it really matter if I tithe? Does it really matter what I do with my money? God's not going to punish me anyway, so I'm kind of scot-free. Like that's a dangerous place to be in. Is this, is this too direct? So again, tithing isn't a law, it's a principle. You do this, you get this outcome. You don't do this, you don't get the outcome. Or you get a different one. So really I think about it, well then it would be foolish for me to not tithe. Why would I want to rob God? Why would I want my money to be cursed? I don't want either of those things. I love God. He's given me everything. He's given me life. And He daily sustains me with life. Why would I then want to take a small portion of what belongs to Him, thinking that that's going to be better than giving it to Him? Again, you might ask the question, well, Brad is is tithing for today. I thought maybe that was an old covenant principle. Well, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God's principles are the same. Now again, the, the thought of being under a curse, in the same way that you are not under sin, okay, but you're under the life of God, the spirit of life is in you. Okay, so we say, well, yes, I'm not, I'm not bound by sin. Can you still sin? Yes. Can you still suffer the effects of your sin? Yes, you can. Okay, so Jesus has borne the curse. He was cursed on our behalf. Okay, so am I under a curse? No, you're not under a curse. Can you still participate in cursing ways? Yes, you can. Can you still experience the effects of a curse? Yes, you can. So we say, I'm not, oh, do I need to? I'm, don't, I'm not saying be petrified of God that is going to strike you down because you, you haven't been tithing. I'm just saying, but there is, there is fruit that's going to come from that that's not going to be blessing. So if you want to access blessing, Follow his ways. You might say, well, Brad, I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. I'm like, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Because it means the grace of God, which is his empowering presence, will actually empower you not just to tithe, but to live in abundant generosity. Amen. Yeah, you're not under the law at all. But the, the commands of Jesus, even when it comes around, generosity is, is a far greater measure than the law. So we're not, yes, we're not under the law, but we're not outside of God's laws. We're not under the curse of the Lord having to fulfill all of those requirements because Jesus has fulfilled all the righteous requirements of the law. Okay, Is there still principles? Yes, there's the law of the Spirit of grace. There's still, if you don't forgive, 
unforgiveness will, will keep you bound. If you judge, judgments will come back to you. They're all principles that Jesus spoke about. Amen? So these things still carry through. The principle of first fruits existed before the old covenant law. Malachi 3.6, which is just before we, what we read, it says, For I, the Lord, do not change. So he literally sets it up. Before he starts talking about tithing and, and robbing him, he's like, just so you know, I don't change. I'm the same. So we can talk about this, a kingdom principle. This talk about, yes, I want to I walk in abundance. I want to live in blessing. That's all good. And there is still the practical reality of that. So even if you're saying, oh, I'm, just, I'm wrestling with the, with the principles here or the scriptures here, that's all good. Wrestle away. Come to a conclusion, though. It's always good. Um, but the reality is, you, what you're experiencing right now in this room costs money. It costs money to keep the power on. It costs money to, to, for all of the things that we see here. It costs money to, for, you know, like you're just living in, in the fruit of what someone is investing in. And the money that we use is, comes from tithes and offerings. So this is costing money. Someone's paying it. But for me, I'm like, I want to be an investor, not a consumer. Which means, again, every time I come, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like I need anything from the church community today. That's awesome. So that doesn't mean you don't come. Because it means if you don't need anything, it means you're full, which means you've got something to give away. I never come on a Sunday with an expectation that I'm going to receive. If I receive, I'm blessed. I come with an expectation that I'm going to give and there's going to be an opportunity for me to sow in an opportunity to bless someone, to pray for someone, to have a conversation with someone, to, to, to honour the Lord in my worship and my giving in that way. That's why I'm here. I want to be an investor and not a consumer. You know, we don't walk into a shopping centre and just take whatever we want and just enjoy the food off the shelves and then walk out without paying. Like that's, a, that's not a practical thing. You go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But then why would I participate in a community that costs everybody else but me? Doesn't make sense. So even if you're like, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Malachi 3.10. So from that verse that we read before, not robbing God, he says, test the Lord. In this, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and therefore put me to the test, said the Lord of hosts. When I read that, I feel like God's saying, I dare you. I double dare you. Go on, give it a go. Give it a crack. I dare you that if you bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that I won't provide for you, that I won't provide abundance for you, a greater measure for you that I won't open the windows of heaven and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I'm going to finish with 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 to 19. And it says, As for the rich in this present age, that's you and I, we live in a Western country, we are rich. We're in the top 95% of, of wealthiest people in the world. If you had breakfast this morning, not because you chose not to, you know, but you just you had food in the house, like, man, you're blessed. You're rich. But as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, which means arrogantly superior, nor to set their hopes 
on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Don't set your hope on money. Set your hope on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good. They are to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus storing up treasure for themselves is a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. God is offering us an opportunity to take hold of that which is truly life. It's contained, I mean, I could have just read that verse. We might leave that up there. There's enough in that that you can say, that's it, that's the answer. That's the truth. That's the message that God is wanting to share with us. I just want to pray and just let Holy Spirit have some time to minister to your hearts. Uh, If you feel convicted, praise the Lord. Um, It's a good thing. It means you're not stony-hearted. It means your conscience hasn't been seared. I feel convicted, and I'm the one preaching, so it's it's all good. (laughs) You're in a safe space here. Um, Maybe, yeah, awesome, Andy. Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm just going to just open things up, and if the Holy Spirit's like tapping you on the shoulder when I share something, just, just go with that. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, we just invite you, Holy Spirit, just to speak loud and clear to our hearts. Loud and clear to our hearts, Lord. Lord, we don't want to rely on even what I've shared this morning, Lord, or even in the way that I shared it. And and Father, I have no desire to, to manipulate or control or to get an outcome for my own benefit, Lord. But God, even just as a spiritual father, I want for myself what I want for others, Lord, which is for us to truly live in blessing, Lord, to live in abundance of life, which is to find all our satisfaction in You. But Lord, my desire is also that we would be a people that would reflect the reality of the Kingdom in how we express generosity and life and hospitality to the world how we bless financially, Lord, that that there would be no lack in the body of Christ, there'd be no lack in your kingdom. And Lord, we're not here to build fancy things for our own sake, for our own egos, Lord. We wanna see your kingdom come and your will be done. But Lord, we know that you are calling us, each one of us, Lord, to be kingdom investors. And Lord, not just those of us who might be considered wealthy in the world's eyes, Lord, but whether our portion is small or our portion is great, You call us in this, to live the same life, Lord, which is one that puts You first, one that seeks to bless others, and one that seeks to steward all of that provision in the way that You would steward it, Lord. How would you live, Jesus, if you had my income or my job or lived in my neighbourhood or had my responsibilities? And whatever that is, that's how we want to live, Lord, just like you would, Jesus. And Lord, we don't want to shy away from 
some really weighty words in the Scriptures, Lord. Even this idea that we could be stealing from you, Lord. Lord, I just pray whatever emotion you want us to feel, let us just be stirred up, Lord. If you want us to grieve, if you want us to feel just the significance of that, Lord, if that is us, bring our hearts before you, we bring our sin before you and we ask for your forgiveness Lord for any of us Lord of just maybe it's been in seasons or we've never really understood this concept of, of tithing and so we just haven't got around to it but now knowing that you would put such a weight on it Lord, we say we're sorry Lord and we ask for your forgiveness we repent of that sin. And Lord, we thank you that you forgive us, that you restore us in right relationship. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us, Lord. That you would lead us in the right way. And Father, we also... Maybe for some of us, we've had a history of, of church life where we've just seen money end up doing really bad things and tearing lives apart, tearing churches apart, maybe money squandered or wasted in our eyes. And Father, we choose to forgive. Maybe churches, pastors, leaders, those that we've seen misuse money, Lord. Father, we choose to forgive them. Lord, we repent of any judgments that we've made against them so that we might be released from that, Lord, and, and we might no longer be robbed of the wisdom that you have for us, God. Father, I ask that you would come now, Holy Spirit, you would break any strongholds in our minds around money. Maybe where money has been, uh, where I, we've had a love of money, Lord. Maybe for some of us, we've had a lot of fear around money and provision. For those who have never known you as, as truly as provider, Lord, that we've heard the words, but we haven't actually been able to walk in a way that would prove that we believe that, Lord. We just ask that you would tear down, come now, Holy Spirit. I just command a tearing down of those old ways of thinking, those strongholds, those ungodly ways of thinking, Lord. Father, when money has captivated our hearts, Lord, we, we give our hearts back to you, Jesus. We give our hearts back to you, Lord. We ask for your forgiveness for where money has become an idol for us, Lord. Possessions have become an idol. They've given us our identity. They've determined our destiny, Lord. We repent and we ask that You would bring right order back to our hearts, right order back to our minds, right order back to the ways that we would live. So Father, we repent for the idolatry of money. We repent for the love of money. We repent for trusting in money and not in You. We choose to come back to you this morning, Lord.
And Father, for those who have been walking in kingdom ways and principles, Lord, I just pray just that You would pour out that greater measure upon them, Lord. But Father, any revelation, Father, You're wanting to share, wanting to speak to us, Lord. And for all of us, Lord, that we would start to choose to say, I'm gonna change my ways. From today, I'm gonna change my ways. Holy Spirit, would You help me to wake up tomorrow morning with a different way, a different way of thinking about money. When fear and opposition comes, I'm gonna run to You. When I'm concerned about my provision, I'm gonna run to You, Lord. When I'm walking in abundant blessing, I'm gonna run to You, Jesus. I'm gonna live in gratitude and thankfulness, Lord. But would You open the doorways of blessing? Would You open the heavens and pour down Your abundance, Lord, as we choose to honour You that we, as we choose to put You first, Lord, not just in our minds, not just with our words, but in our hearts and in our hands, Lord, as we walk out Your ways, Your wisdom, to be a people that would be blessed in order that we can be a blessing, Lord. And Father, we wouldn't wait around until the blessing comes before we start investing in Your kingdom purposes. This is not the way it works. You say, give and then You will give to us, Lord. You say invest and then You'll pour out greater measure. You say honour me with Your tithe and I will bless the rest and I'll provide everything that You need. You're so good to us, God. You're so good to all humanity, to all creation. The way that You love is so abundant. The way that You provide is so abundant. And we are so undeserving and yet You provide so incredibly, Jesus. But Lord, would You give us Your heart? Would You give us Your heart, Lord? Would You change our hearts to be more like You, that we would not look upon our life as as seeking to gain and, and attain possessions, Lord? but we would have the kind of eyes that would say, where can we pour out and pour into? Where can we live for others in a greater measure? Because we have all that we need. We have all that we need because we have You, Lord. Thank You, Jesus. to come forward and just receive any more ministry or maybe you just want to repent to someone, pray for healing. You're welcome just to come forward and as Andy keeps playing, um, if anyone from our core team is here, we're down a few people, please come forward and, and help us to pray for anyone. Uh, but I just bless you. I know it's a, it's a straightforward word this morning. I hope you appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah. But our heart is for you. Our heart is for you to live in abundance and live in the fullness of God. So bless you. But yeah, why don't you come forward if you want more prayer? We'd love to minister to you. Uh, if not, you're welcome to head out and grab a coffee and some morning tea. Meet someone new. Uh, if you're new to our community and you want to connect in, please fill out a Connect card uh, and we'd love to get you connected in. Join up with the Life Hub, all that jazz. Bless you guys.